Well, hey, you guys, welcome to the Connection Point Worldview Podcast. My name is Ron. I'm here, as always, with Dr. Zach Breitenbach and Dr. Trey Shigley. And this is a podcast designed to help you, as a parent or guardian, take you deeper into places that your student has already gone. Now, this particular episode, it's uh, it's a heavy one. A heavy topic uh, with some challenging things that are really prevalent in our culture today, and it is uh, worthy of a, a listen and a conversation with your student. Uh, this was week two of your special worldview series for eighth graders on sexual identity and sexual morality. So tell us in a nutshell, if you could, how this week builds upon that first week. Yeah, so uh, if you haven't listened to the first week's podcast, uh, I'd highly recommend that because that will provide a good foundation for what we're doing here. Uh, And that was our goal with the students. We were building off of what we did the first week. The first week sort of uh, laid these foundations, right? We talked about how there's a real moral law uh, that we did not invent, and we gave reasons for thinking that that's true. We talked about how God is the standard of morality. Where does that moral law come from that governs all people and applies to us whether we like it or not? And we said that that this comes from God. And uh, how do we know what the moral law is? And we talked about how how God's word uh, reveals the law and how it's important not to pick and choose. We talked about how God's moral law is for our good. He, he doesn't just try to spoil our fun. So we laid all that foundation, and all of that was to build up to, to this week where we're going to actually kind of get into a little bit of the details of obviously this is something we can't cover as fully as we'd like to, um, even in, in a whole series. But we're building up to where this week we talk about gender identity and sexual boundaries. So those were kind of the two topics of this week is, you know, what should we think about this? this uh, gender identity stuff. What does the Bible say about this? And what about sexual behavior? What is God's plan for sex? And what are the boundaries uh, for sex? So that was kind of uh, what we were building up to and what we what we did this week. So after that quick, quick review of week one, your first main topic was gender identity, which is just such a uh, hot button for today, <laughs> yeah. um, and it's it's massive in our in our culture. Definitely important for us to learn and have a conversation about. So obviously, um, we, this is the place to do it. Uh, you got them started with brainstorming question. You asked uh, whether being male or female is important and affects our lives very much. What was the aim there? Yeah, so we had students kind of brainstorm among themselves. You know, does it does this topic even matter? You know, why are we even talking about this? Does it matter whether you are male or female? Does this affect your life at all? And very quickly, they came up with lots of reasons why uh, it affects your life. You know, uh, one of the big reasons is if you're female, you can give birth to a child, and if you're male, you never will be able to do that. And that's obviously a really big <laughs> difference. And uh, if you, you know. Uh, ask any woman who's given birth before it really affects your life uh, you know right. not just uh, um, a little bit of your life but like a long period of your life where you're pregnant and uh, so that that and just a bunch of other reasons you know uh, you're treated differently depending on on your gender and uh, you may have different um, uh, just interactions with people in the world. And so there's, there's, they came up with a ton of different, but the, the whole th- reason we talked about it was this is not just an insignificant topic, but this is actually something that um, is 
culture's talking about, and it affects our lives in a lot of big ways. Uh, next, quoting both Jesus and the Old Testament, uh, you made the point that God specially created humans to be male or female, and that both men and women are equally valuable and are made in God's image. So what were some of the highlights from, from that part of the lesson? Yeah, so we said that, that Jesus himself talks about how God uh, made humans to be male and female. In Matthew nineteen four, and he's quoting from Genesis, uh, when he says this, he says, God made humans to be uh, male and female. And we talked about how science supports that as well. We talked a little bit about chromosomes and uh, the X and the Y chromosomes and, and how uh, if you receive that Y chromosome from your father, that you will be a male. And we talked a little bit about how there are some chromosomal abnormalities. You may have an extra X chromosome or, or something like this, but that in science, the presence of that Y chromosome is what would make one a male. And we, we played a video of Richard Dawkins, obviously not a, a Christian, uh, obviously not somebody who respects the Bible. He's, he's a famous atheist, and he's written many books about why God is a delusion and why he's against Christianity, and he, he thinks the Bible's horrible. But why, why play a video of this guy? Well, because he's talking about how as a biologist, and, and he's an Oxford professor, he's, he's a very uh, well-known biologist, scientist, he says, scientifically, I cannot uh, go with this cultural idea that uh, that sex is is a continuum, right? Where there's extremes and there's a lot of different intermediate steps along the way. He says, no, it's a binary. And he talks about a little bit about you know the chromosomes, how males uh, produce you know sperm, female produces egg, uh, and there's there's really two options. This is a binary, a binary meaning where there's there's two options here. And he said he took a lot of heat for this. And we talked about how he lost this major award uh, from the, you know, the, he, he won the Humanist of the Year award. Mm. Uh, and that was taken away from him because a lot of people, secular folks, did not like his stance on this. But he says, yeah, I don't care. Uh, I'm not going to pretend like you can be be a biological male and just declare yourself a woman. This is just an abuse of language and of reality. And so I said, I think it's instructive to see that a scientist who doesn't even respect the Bible agrees with uh, the biblical teaching on this. They, you know, there is male and female, and, and he, he agrees with that for scientific uh, reasons. And then we went on and we, we talked about how men and women are equally valuable. They're both made in God's image. And we, we, uh, we read that verse in Genesis that Jesus references. And we, we read from Genesis 1, 26 to 28, where it talks about how God made all humans in, in his image, male and female, both. God created humans in his own image, male and female, he created them. And, and both are to be fruitful and multiply. There you see the reference to the distinction. This is, we're talking biology here, that males and females can fill the earth, be fruitful and multiply and roll over it. And so, we talked about how this is important, that, that men uh, and women are, are both in the likeness of God. And we talked about what the image of God really means and, uh, and how there's, there's great respect given to male and female and that this is part of God's design. He made us male and female, and he's got, um, he values both uh, equally. Um, both share his qualities. We, 
you know, being made in God's image means, you know, we we can share some of the qualities of God. God loves people perfectly. We can love, but not perfectly. God knows things perfectly. We can know things, but not perfectly. God has all power. We have the power to do some things, but not perfectly. We we can. God relates to, to people perfectly. We can relate as well, but not perfectly. So we, we share in these qualities of God, not to his perfection. And both men and women are equally in his image. Uh, and so we, we laid some of that, uh, that groundwork. So another biblical teaching that you highlighted is that we are to present ourselves to the world as our biological sex. Can you tell us about that principle, Trey? Yeah, there's uh, a few places in the Bible where we can learn this principle from. Uh, one is from Deuteronomy, and it says, A woman shall not wear a man's garment, nor shall a man put on a woman's cloak. For whatever or for whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord your God. And we reminded them that God loves everyone. That's why he sent Jesus to die. So uh, God viewing this as an abomination is that he, he hates those acts, and he, he doesn't like it. Um, and also, um, we're looking at the principle behind this because uh, in that context, it may be a little bit different than our context today. Like if you put a cloak on or something, it's it's not saying, hey, you can't do that if you're a guy, right? Yeah. Um, but the principle behind it is don't present yourself as the sex that you are not. And this could apply to uh, how you uh, present yourself kind of physically, uh, the clothes that you wear, if you're trying to present yourself, being intentional and presenting yourself as something that you're not, or the words that you use even, mm. presenting yourself um, with language in ways that you are not. So uh, if you want to be called a male, but you are actually a female biologically, then that is presenting yourself in a way that is is not accurate and isn't true. And, uh, and some of this is cultural and contextual, right? If you're, uh, say you're in uh, Ireland, uh, a kilt would be appropriate for a man to, to wear. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, you know, if you've seen the movie Braveheart, no one would accuse William Wallace of not being a man. Right. Um, but in, in America, if you're wearing something that's like a skirt or a dress, that would be someone attempting to look um, and present themselves as a female. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is the biblical principle behind that is uh, present yourself as the way that God has made you. So you emphasized um, that presenting yourself to the world as the opposite sex is not the same as going against gender stereotypes. Can you explain that distinction for us? Yeah. So even though we're not supposed to present ourselves to the world and portray ourselves, say, as a woman when we're actually a man, as, as Trey was talking about, and that is a biblical principle, the Bible does not say that we shouldn't uh, say if we're a man, we shouldn't sew. Or if we're a woman, we, we can't be a carpenter or something like this, right? So there's there's gender stereotypes. And oftentimes people think if they're a woman, say, and, and I've heard people give testimonies to this effect. They say, you know, I was, I'm a girl and I grew up and I just didn't like playing with dolls and I didn't like getting dressed up and I didn't like just talking about boys and I didn't like doing a lot of the things that the other girls right. like to do. And then I started thinking, well, you know, maybe I'm not, maybe I, I'm, I identify more as a, as a, as a guy. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm less of a woman or maybe I, I'm, I should think of myself as masculine because I like playing tackle football in the backyard and that would be a lot more fun for me 
than like playing with dolls. And I have no interest in that. Mm. And so they get these ideas that if you don't conform to uh, these, these stereotypes, then you're less of a man or you're less of a woman. And I wanted to say that's not something the Bible teaches. And you should not think of yourself as, say, less of a woman just because you, you want to wrestle or play football, right. you know, or you like sports and you don't like dolls and you don't like getting dressed up yeah. and you're not interested in fashion, you don't like cooking and all of that. And so I think that's one of the, the dangerous things in our culture right now is that a lot of times people will think, wow, I, I don't really conform to the stereotypical male or the stereotypical woman. Maybe I should think of myself as less masculine or less feminine. So, and, and that doesn't come from the Bible either, right? Um, and we even talked about, like, think of who's the, like, the, the manliest guys you can think of in the Bible. And they're like, well, you know, like David was a warrior and Samson, you know, Jesus, you know. Mm-hmm. Say, well, Jesus cried, mm-hmm. you know, in public. Uh, David played a harp and wrote poetry, um, you know, and, and he danced uh, even in a way that uh, his wife thought wasn't very dignified. And he didn't apologize <laughs> for that. Um, so it's just not a biblical principle that we should that we have to conform to these stereotypes or else start doubting our uh, our identity as a male or a female mm-hmm. and we should we don't want to confuse that with the principle that you should not present yourself as the opposite sex which is a very different uh, thing gotcha so you briefly define the terms transgender and gender dysphoria and talked about the differences um, how do you explain those terms yeah, so um, gender dysphoria, kind of the, the definition for that that we used was feeling distress due to discomfort with your biological sex. So that would be a biological male who feels mismatched with his body, not comfortable as a male, and he is legitimately distressed. He feels like there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. He, he's not, uh, like internally, his mind or his thoughts, his emotions just he can't get them to reconcile with the body that he has. Got it. Um, and, and it has that feeling of distress. Uh, now, transgender can be broader than that. So gender dysphoria is a real thing that people experience, um, and it's not something you choose. It's something that you wish weren't happening, mm-hmm. um, whereas transgender can include that, but also it's for whatever reason one feels that your gender identity is different than your biological sex. And so uh, maybe you have gender dysphoria, you have that distress, but for a majority of the time, uh, if you're identifying as transgender, you might not have a lot of distress. It's just something maybe it's a preference or something that you are deciding um, that's just what you want to do. And so having that distinction is helpful because it's good to recognize there are people who legitimately do have this um, dysphoria where they just can't reconcile their emotions or their thoughts, who they feel uh, they are with the body that they're in. And then there's uh, people who it's more of just a, a choice they feel like they're, they're free to make. And so having that distinction is often uh, helpful in these conversations because uh, it, it's uh, good to know what we're talking about when we're right. um, using this language. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Well, there's obviously a lot more that can be said on gender identity, but you wrapped up that topic by addressing how we should treat those who are transgender. 
So what points did you make about that? Yeah, there is so much more that we would like to say, and it's it's just such a major topic right now that we wish we could you know, just go on and on addressing yeah. these things. But um, we, we wrapped it up by kind of just talking about yeah, how do we treat them? How 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 should we approach someone if your friend is transgender? Um, and and first of all, we said love these people and build relationships. Um, um, it's so important not to to view somebody whether they're transgender or they struggle with gender dysphoria or maybe they struggle with uh, homosexual uh, desires or whatever it is that we. We don't see the, these people as, as outcasts or people that we're to shun, but we see them as people to be loved. They're, they're people. Right, right. They're people that Jesus died for. They're yeah. people that Jesus loves just as much as he loves you. Um, and you need to love them just as much as you love anyone else and try to get to know them. Try to ask them questions. Try to understand them. Um, and also we emphasize try to lead them to Jesus if they don't know Jesus and make that the first priority, right? Rather than I've got to change them right now and move them away from this transgender uh, identity that they have or whatever. Try to first just help them understand the love of Jesus, the, the gospel message, why they should be drawn to the gospel, why they should want to be a Christian. And then down the line, uh, in a loving way, speak the truth in love, right? And you, you might you, you'll want to eventually disciple them and try to help them work through this and have a biblical perspective on these issues. Um, but the first goal is is lead them to Jesus and just love them and, and try to build that uh, relationship. I love that. That's great. Well, now you moved into your other main topic of the lesson, which was God's boundaries on having sex. Uh, this started with a discussion of marriage and how God designed sex to be within the boundary of marriage can you unpack maybe, Trey, what you said about that? Yeah, yeah, it's good to have a definition for what is God's vision for this um, and uh, come at it from often a positive view. Like, this is the goal. This is how God has designed things versus, hey, this is no, 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 no. It's like once you know the vision, then you can see when things don't match up with it. Um, and so God designed marriage, and he designed it to be a covenant relationship between one man and one woman who unite as one flesh. And so Jesus says this in Matthew 19. He says, he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, therefore, a man shall leave his mother uh, and his father and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And so this is Jesus reaffirming what marriage is, one man, one woman between this covenant relationship um, and that is the context for sex. And obviously this isn't a popular uh, opinion uh, nowadays because it feels so restrictive, right? Like, right. who are you to tell me what I can do with my body and between two consensual people? And is God just wanting us to have no fun? Is he just a killjoy? Is he just this stodgy old grandpa, you know, in the sky <laughs> who's telling us, no, you can't do these things? Um, and... Uh, the analogy we use is the analogy of a fireplace and a fire, right? And a fire is this amazing thing. And within the context of a fireplace uh, has so many benefits and uh, is amazing. But if it escapes out of the fireplace, uh, say it gets into the rest of the log cabin, it causes damage and destruction and chaos and hurt. 
um, and you can get burned by it. And uh, sex within the confines and the boundaries of marriage is something that's amazing and wonderful, something that God designed that should be enjoyed. Um, but outside of the confines, it can actually cause a lot of damage and hurt and destruction. And we know um, that that is uh, the reason God gives these, us these boundaries is for our good and for our flourishing. And uh, we can all probably think of people who's uh, not followed God's boundaries for sex and have been hurt by it. Um, and so God says things like, um, in, in Scripture, everyone must honor marriage and do not let the marriage bed be polluted. For God will judge the sexually immoral and the adulterous. And so he's saying, keep, like, protect marriage. Like, keep the sexual... Um, acts and everything within the context of marriage because it's for your good and it's the way God has designed um, this. And so this does rule out all other types of sex, right? So this would be uh, between a man and a woman who aren't married, but also between two men or two women, um, only within the confines of one man, one woman within marriage is how God has designed sex to be. So you then showed a YouTube video of a young woman who has had sex prior to marriage and gave many good reasons why she now regrets it. So uh, tell us what you wanted the students to get out of that. Yeah, uh, this would be a great thing to talk to your eighth grader about because I I think this was a, a very useful video. And I asked them to write down some takeaways as they were watching it. And uh, hopefully they did that. Um, and so I'll, I'll share some of my takeaways from listening to her talk, right? She's, I don't know whether she's a Christian or not, um, but she has had sex in her dating relationships. Um, and she gave a lot of reasons why she's not going to do that anymore. Um, and she tar- starts off just talking about how sex just makes relationships complicated, right? You start wondering, is the other person thinking that, you sleep around if you have sex with them. Like, is, is she just easy? Has she done this with other people? Um, are they going to break up with you if you don't have sex with them? You, you start wondering about that. Does, does the other person just sleep around a lot? Um, and you, you might ignore red flags because you're so blinded by just the sexual part of your relationship that you ignore things you shouldn't be otherwise. Um, you risk having somebody tell you that they really love you, they care about you, and, and then they they just ditch you very quickly and, and you realize, wow, they just they just used me for sex. And you open your, yourself up to that possibility. Um, and she talks about how it's a lie that sex doesn't mean anything because it's, it's so painful when these kind of things happen. Um, and she says it's, it's just freeing to date without sex because you can focus on the relationship and you know that the person that you're with is in this for you they're not just in it for what they can get from your body and they're willing to invest in the relationship even when sex isn't part of it yet um and she my favorite part of the video is when she said i I have a christian friend who who came to this conclusion like maybe you know as we were talking about it she said maybe there's a reason god says not to have sex before (laughs) marriage (laughs) that was kind of the reason i showed them the video i was like you know yeah these the this is is she comes to the conclusion, I should say this too, she comes to the conclusion that I will not have sex before marriage again because I will never again be used, I will never again be played, I will never again have to go through some of the things I've gone through. And 
I know this is true based on reality, right? And so we know it's true from the Bible, but she says, I know this is true from my experience and from reality. That's just how it is. And this is a bad idea. And I'm encouraging you, um, young girls and young boys, don't go down the path I went down. And I just thought that was that was awesome. And so that we can see how God's, just like we showed the Richard Dawkins video, where you see that science lines up with God's word on this. Um, and again, practical experience in this case lines up with just as the well. Bible just as well. And you mm-hmm. see that the it's for your good. It's it's not something God just wants to kill your fun. And, um, and, I, and it, I thought it was good that they could hear a female perspective and someone who's actually gone down that road um, share her, her experiences. So ask your, ask your eighth grader, uh, yeah, what they thought of that video. I think that could lead to a good conversation. So how did you wrap up the lesson? Yeah, we uh, kind of wrapped it up, concluding everything we talked about, but then really coming back around to the idea of these boundaries and how God has designed this is for our good. And even if we don't see the full picture, we don't understand why, maybe it seems like, man, I don't see why this is actually for my good. It's trusting that God actually knows what is best for us. But then also reminding um, it students that God loved us so much while we were still his enemies, while we were still rebellious to him, he actually chose to come to earth to uh, live this life and and not like come and live in a penthouse and live this luxurious life. No, came 2000 years ago to a part of a world where it was hard living and to become a human when you were, when you were God and to choose to lay aside all um, of his uh, kind of privileges and to suffer, to be falsely accused, to be beaten, to be crucified, to have all the sins of the world on him. Uh, Jesus sacrificed all of that for us, out of love for us. And is there anything too big for us to sacrifice for him? Mm. And if even if we can't understand why uh, there are boundaries and rules that God gives us or why um, it's for our best, even if we put all of that aside and say, this is what God is asking me to do, it's clear in scripture, is that too big of an ask compared to what God did in order to save me from sin and death? And uh, hopefully we can all come to the conclusion that no, he, there's nothing he could ask us that would be too big of a sacrifice to give up for him. And also there is nothing we could give up for him that he will not reward a hundredfold um, in the rest of our life or in eternity. Like the goodness of God and his generosity and love for us is so, so huge that there's nothing we could give up um, that is too big. Awesome. Well, um, as we leave the uh, parents, maybe with a discussion question, that if you got a question that they might be able to ask uh, their student that might generate uh, some good thought and conversation, what would that be? Yeah, I would. I, I think this whole packet that we gave them uh, going through this lesson would be awesome for you to just talk through with your student, especially the last page where we have, I think, 10 discussion questions. Um, that I think would just lead to some amazing discussion about all the stuff we've been talking about. So in this awesome. case, I would especially encourage you to just go through all 10 of these questions. But here's a couple, here's a couple good ones. Um, 
You could ask, why do you think God gives us boundaries on sex and how we present our gender? Why do you think he does that? And um, get their thoughts on it. And, and then even if they don't agree with it necessarily, do you think we should submit ourselves to God's word rather than sort of cherry picking, you know, certain mm-hmm. things? That would be one uh, good line of discussion. I think it'd also be great to talk them about uh, to them about the fireplace analogy that Trey was talking about. You know, tell me about the fireplace analogy and and maybe also the video of the young lady who gave up sex before marriage. What did you take away from the fireplace analogy? What did you take away from that video? Um, what are some of your your the key the key things that you noticed? And 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 um, I think that can lead to some really good good discussion too. And, and can I add just one more thing too? Uh, we didn't mention this, but. I think as adults, sometimes it's hard and daunting to talk about this topic with our kids. Um, But one thing I know is that if we've made mistakes in our past with this area, because you as a parent, maybe you didn't completely follow God's plan with sexuality and with sex and things like that. To not let that keep you from having these conversations with your student, because if you... Uh, allow that to disqualify you from these conversations, the world's going to continue to have these conversations. And so I would encourage everyone listening to uh, be open and honest with your student. Hey, I've made some mistakes. Here's what these mistakes were. Here is the pain that it caused. Here's what Mm -hmm. I wish I did differently. Um, Because you can't allow that to uh, take you out of the conversation. We think about King David in the Bible and how he had sexual sin and then that repeated itself in the next generation. And I think it's a large part due to his inability to call out and to call his kids to a higher standard because he felt disqualified mm. from what he did. And so don't let this disqualify you. Lean into the grace of Jesus and uh, step into the role that God's placed you into and have these tough conversations because they need you to do that. It's really, really good, you guys. Super important and uh, so thankful that we get to have the conversation. It's a little sad that we have to have this conversation, especially at eighth grade. But the reality is um, kids are facing this way earlier even than eighth grade. And so, mm-hmm. um, like you said, if we don't have the conversation, then somebody else will. So it'd be nice to cultivate that relationship and have it. Uh, coming from a truthful source. So um, if you've got questions or have got uh, some needs, then you can always reach out to uh, cp.church and uh, connect with us that way. We'll be praying for you and your student and uh, be back with more helpful resources before you know it.